Thanks, Pastor Brad. You may be seated. Good morning, church. How are you doing? It's wonderful to see you. It's a great thrill to be here. Uh, this is my uh, second time uh, to come and speak at church here, and uh, I enjoyed it last time and already enjoying it again. The uh, presence of God is very strong in this place, and um, I have it on good authority uh, that Pastor Brad's going to keep uh, getting me back uh, until I get it right. So uh, <laughs> trusting, that, <laughs> trusting that today is the day, and uh, it's a great uh, thrill to be here. I um, had... Uh, uh, I was going to preach a particular message uh, in preparation for today, and then I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to change my message. Uh, so we've got to do what the Holy Spirit says, uh, and so I've changed that today. So uh, without any further ado, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of uh, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs 18 verse 21 and and just after that, we're going to be skipping over to Ecclesiastes 3. So Proverbs 18.21. And then after that, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes uh, 3. Proverbs 18.21 says this. Excuse me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I'll read that again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, going to be reading from verse 1, verses 1 to 8. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8, just after Proverbs, says this. To everything there is a season, time for every purpose under heaven, time to be born and a time to die, time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. Time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Uh, title of my message today is, and uh, maybe it's because I'm inspired uh, by the Ashes test starting this week, uh, but it's called It's Time to Declare. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us to exercise all that you have for us. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Ecclesiastes says this, there's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. If you think of the Christian life and if you think of Christian devotion, parts of it uh, require us to be silent and there are other parts when we are required to speak. Uh, many parts of the Christian life involve the discipline of speaking and of declaration. Now, I've met a lot of, I've obviously met many Christians, and I find some of them fall into different camps. Some people like the quiet, contemplative, reflective part of Christianity. That's the part that they prefer. But that is actually incomplete. Because there is a time to be silent, but as a Christian, there are times when we have to speak. You can't even get saved without speaking right. The Bible says you've got to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you start speaking with other tongues. How do you move a mountain? Well, you don't just, you know, dig around it and you just more than just plan and strategize. You have to speak to the mountain and then it's going to move. How did God create the earth? Well, God created the earth, not just, he doesn't speak just by communication, he actually uses words for creation. And so he spoke the world into being, and it was. That's why the Bible says God can't lie. 
It uh, doesn't mean he won't lie. doesn't mean he has so much integrity he can't bring himself to lie. He actually can't lie. Why? Because when he says something, it's going to come to pass. If God was here today and he said, oh, phew, holy cow, phew, there'd be a holy cow. Because when he says something, it's got to come to pass. That's why the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. It has a twofold effect. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words have the ability to frame our external world. And then not only that, it affects our internal world because those who love it will eat its fruit. So as a Christian, make no mistake, it's nice and there are times when we need to be silent. But make no mistake, there is a time if you're going to live in the fullness of all that God has for you, there is a time when we need to speak, when we need to declare, when we need to let things pass out of our mouth. And so today, I just want to talk to you about a few things that you need to declare a few things that you need to speak as part of your Christian life in order to see the will of God come to pass in your life. The first thing that we need to declare is this. The first thing that we need to declare is promises from the Word of God. Promises from the Word of God. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, uh, God says to Joshua, they're about to take the promised land. And he gives them the key to taking the promised land. He says this, Do not let the book of the law, the Word of God, Depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. He doesn't say don't let the book of the law depart from your bookshelf. He doesn't say don't let the book of the law depart from your heart. He says don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. What does that mean? If we are going to live an advancing territory-taking life, it's important that we start declaring the Word of God, not just reading it, not just writing it on a little post-it note and sticking it on our fridge, not just grabbing it and writing it on the inside cover of our Bible. We need to, there are times when we need to start declaring and speaking and getting in agreement with God's Word. That's especially important if ever you've had a time in your life when you've read the Scripture and there's a promise in the Word that's for all believers, but it's not evident in your life. Have you ever done that? You've read the Bible, there's a promise for God's people, and it's like, well, that's not in my life. Well, what do you do? Well, you don't change your theology. In order to bring that and drag that down into your world, we start getting in agreement with it and start declaring it. Many years ago when I started off in ministry, I was going through a very difficult time and I was just depressed all the time. And I remember I was reading uh, in the scripture how it talks about uh, the fruit of the Spirit uh, in Galatians 6. And it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Now you need to understand something. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a seed of the Spirit. I've met some people and they say things like, Oh yes, that's right, brother. I've got joy, deep, deep down. <laughs> joy is not a seed, it's a fruit. My grandfather used to own an orchard and he used to drive us around in the back of his ute and show us the different apple trees. He would say, they're Granny Smiths, they're Jonathans, they're Red Delicious, they're Golden, de golden Delicious. He could tell just by looking, or looking at them. He didn't have to dig around in the root system to figure out what kind of tree it was. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. We should be able to tell you got joy by looking at your face. <laughs> Amen. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a gift of the Spirit. Oh, you've got the gift of joy. You're just one of those happy people. Wherever you go, you just kind of light up the room. Joy is not a gift. It's a fruit. 
What that means is this, joy is for every single Christian and should be evident in all our lives. And I didn't have it. So what do you do? You start declaring it. And so I remember I was there, I read that and I said, I just closed my eyes, I said, Lord, I started speaking it out. I said, Lord, I thank you for your joy. 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 <laughs> Lord, I, th- I said about 20 times, and by the end of that time, I was laughing my head off. The depression and the discouragement left me, and none of my circumstances had changed yet. What had happened? A promise from the word leapt into my life through the power of declaration. There are times, and we've got to get in agreement with God's word. There are times, if you want to live an advancing life, forever church, God is called to be an advancing, territory-taking church. In order to do that, one of the things that needs to continue to do is not back off from the word of God and be bold in declaring it and bold in speaking it. If we want to have an advancing life, the book of the law cannot depart from our mouth. The second thing that we need to declare is we need to declare personal prophecies. Personal prophecies. Now, before that, I just need to share something. Uh, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me um, that for, uh, for this church and for people in this church, uh, and uh, I felt the Holy Spirit say that you're about to step into a season of long-awaited promises coming to pass and long-anticipated promises coming to pass. There are some prophecies that have been declared over this place a long time ago has never even looked like possibly coming. And God wants you to know that even though you've waited longer than what you wanted, God's about to bring those things to pass in the life of this church. But not only that, there are long-anticipated promises. What that means is that there are some that you can sense God is going to do, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, by 2020, 2022, I can see these things dropping in, and God wants you to know that he can accelerate time. And those things that you were anticipating coming in years down the track are going to start dropping into your world. I see you now stepping over a threshold into a new season, long-awaited promises coming to pass, long-anticipated promises coming to pass. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18, Apostle Paul says to Timothy, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you need to wage warfare with the prophecies given to you. Now how do you do that? Well, it's not, you don't just write on a piece of paper and wave it. You actually start speaking it and start declaring it. You start speaking and declaring the prophecies that have been given you from the past. Now, why do we need to do that? Well, the reason is that because sometimes, from the moment a prophecy is given us, sometimes that word gets tested. Have you ever received a prophecy and then had the exact opposite happen? And you're thinking to yourself, what is going on? Well, the Bible says the promises of God are inherited through faith and patience. I don't like that second bit. I like the first bit. They're inherited through faith. Yes, I believe it. And patience. Some Bibles don't use that translation, patience. They use another word. It's called long-suffering. <laughs> so that means sometimes you've got to suffer a long time before God's promises come to pass. 
So what that means is this, often you're given a prophecy and then immediately the opposite happens. What happens? Doubt, discouragement and unbelief starts flooding your heart and disappointment. You need to beat those things back. Those things back. How do we do it? Well, death and life in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We get those prophecies. We take them out of our Bible. We get them off the podcast. We just get them out off the fridge and we spend time declaring and speaking those things and start beating those things back. Many years ago, uh, I went to, about in the year 2000, I moved to Mackay in North Queensland to take over a youth ministry. Uh, the first Sunday, we had our youth meeting, and uh, oh, sorry, first Friday night, and it was great. We had 22 young people in our youth, very exciting, uh, made us the second biggest youth group uh, in the city. Then by the middle of the year, due to my incredible leadership and vision, the youth group grew down to six. And um, it was... Um, <laughs> Uh, and I know, and I was, you know, I was getting so discouraged. And when I first got there, we had intercessors in our church, and they kept giving me the same prophecy. Pastor Ben, we see that God's sending you here. Our youth group's going to be on fire. I just see fire spreading around the nation. I see fire, fire. And, I, and after a month, I felt like saying, well, you haven't been at our youth group. Because our youth group is as dead as a doornail. I remember I used to try and get them to praise and worship God. It was so bad, I actually had to make a rule. And the rule was this. Hey, kids, you can either sing or be quiet, but just don't talk. Because what would happen is they just talk to, get, talk to each other as the worship was starting. I remember another time I'm trying to teach them the power of communion. And so we're having a communion service. I'm trying to make it all relevant, make it all cool. It was at Easter time. So instead of bread, uh, we used hot cross buns. Uh, instead of juice, uh, we were using Coke. And, uh, and I'm trying to teach them the importance of communion. Well, by the time the bits had been handed out and I'm trying to speak, they started a food fight in the middle of our youth meeting. And all through the year, the intercessors are saying, oh, there's going to be fire, Pastor Ben, there's going to be fire. And I feel like saying, well, you haven't been to our youth. They're as dead as anything. I remember I was at home one afternoon, I was, uh, one, yeah, one afternoon, and I was just getting really ticked off. And, uh, and I was thinking, I'm getting all these prophecies and none of them are happening. And my wife was out uh, getting her hair done, so I knew I had a good five, six hours to myself. And um, <laughs> so, uh, and so I, I thought, man, well, I've had enough of this. And I thought, what do you do? Do you change your theology or do you wage warfare with that prophecy? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to wage warfare with this prophecy. And there was a, there was a um, CD out at the time. It was from Christian City Church, C3 Church in Sydney. Uh, and the song was called Prophesy. And, and it speaks about prophesy to the dry bones, Ezekiel 37. And I, and I put that song on and just played it on rotate uh, for three hours. And I was just walking up and down my lounge room declaring, God, you promised me. You told me. You said there's going to be fire. There's no fire. Lord, you promised. You said, I declare. I speak. And I did that for about three hours. By the time I had done that, the black clouds had parted. And I had a peace and an assurance that God was going to do what he promised. Not long after that, we went to a, uh, a youth camp on the Gold Coast. We were driving down from Mackay. Uh, they were so poorly behaved on the bus, so I just wanted to turn around and go home. And uh, I remember we got to the campsite, and on the first night, um, the praise and worship, the band was up praising and worshipping God. My kids never used to praise and worship God, and so our crew was just sitting down the back, and all these other youth groups, the kids were going up the front, jumping up and down, praising God, and so some of my kids looked at each other and thought, oh well, let's go up. And so they started walking up, and as they're walking past me, I said, hey, hey, hey don't muck around, all right? 
those other kids are good kids. They're serious, right? So, so they went up and they started getting in the praise and worship and then, then the slow song started playing and then kids lifted their hands, so my kids lifted their hands. All of a sudden I saw the presence of God come upon them. Many of them just started weeping. And all of a sudden for the first time in our youth ministry, we had fire. From that moment we went back to our youth group. God started doing incredible things. That very same year we started a conference. It was called Extreme Youth Conference. It's in Mackay, North Queensland. It's been going for 15 years. They have six, 700 young people coming to it from all around central Queensland. From, we had prophecies that there are going to be sparks sent from our youth group. Some of the largest churches in the nation are staff members of some of the biggest churches were from my youth group. The girl who started Thank You Water was from my youth group. There's all these kids that are doing incredible things all around the nation. That youth group grew to about 250 young people when I left. And God was doing something incredible. And it's known as a place of fire. And all we had was a dead youth group in a prophecy. Amen. Get that prophecy out. Stop waiting for it to happen. Get it off your fridge. Get it out of your Bible and start declaring. Amen? There's a time to be silent, but there is a time when we need to speak. Ten years ago this week, we moved down to Brisbane. My wife and I came. We came to start a Bible college called Planet Shakers College. When we moved down, I didn't know what I was doing, and when we got here, we realised no one else knew what they were doing as well. We were going to start the following year and we didn't have any resource or anything like that. We were basically unemployed for six months trying to get this college started. The following year, uh, sorry, about, oh, sorry, about October of that year, we thought we've got to do something. We, we, didn't, we don't really know what we're doing. So we went over to Perth. We were modelling our Bible college on a, on a Bible college in Perth. I went over there and it was the worst thing I could have done. I sat down with the team there and then realised that we are so far short of what we need to do to start this Bible college. And I thought, it doesn't look possible. I went back to my hotel room and I thought, man, let's just be wise about this. You know, we didn't need to use exercise wisdom here. I thought, let's give it, let's hold off for 12 months and then start up later. I was about to ring up my boss, Paul Geerling, and say, look, Paul, let's just hold off for 12 months. As I picked up my phone, I received a text message at that time from another mate of mine. He was another pastor here in southeast Queensland. He goes, Ben, I don't know where you are or what you're doing, bro, but just want to let you know that I was praying and felt the Holy Spirit say that he's never going to leave you or forsake you and he's going to leave you adequately resourced for everything he's called you to do. So I put the phone down. <laughs> and even then, nothing happened for a couple more months. Fast forward to January. We're about to start in February and we were probably only halfway to what we needed to get that Bible college going. We were promoting the college at Planet Shakers Conference when it was here. It was at South Bank. And I remember as I was promoting it, I never went into a session. I was, too, I was freaking out too much. The whole time I was walking around South Bank yelling, you told me, you said, you promised that you would leave us adequately resourced. What was I doing? Everything in me was screaming to run away. And we needed to beat back that negativity and that unbelief by hanging on to the word God gave us and by declaring it. We hung it out. The Bible college started. In 10 years since, it's been a miracle of motion. At least 500 students have come through and graduated. Many in ministry are all around southeast Queensland. God has transformed lives and it's an absolute miracle in motion. And it all started with a prophecy. 
We need to get the prophecies out and start to... You are a prophetic church. But we don't sit back passively waiting for God to do what he said he was going to do. If it's not happening, we need to start speaking and start declaring it. I have a list of different prophecies that God has given me. And every so often, I will pull those things out and start speaking them and start declaring and getting in agreement with the prophecies that God has spoken over my life. The third thing that we need to declare, we need to declare... Past victories, past victories. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says this. They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So how do we overcome the enemy? By the blood of the lamb, that's through the work of Christ, and the word of our testimony. Our testimony is more than just our salvation testimony. Our testimony is more than this. Before I met the Lord, I was wicked and boring. But now I've met the Lord, I'm not wicked anymore. That's not <laughs> the testimony that it's talking about. Our testimony is every time we have overcome in the past. The Christian walk is not where everything is smooth sailing the whole time. It just doesn't work that way. There are times when we have to come up against an obstacle. And what i found is this, most of the time that looks bigger than the other ones have overcome. So what do we have to do? We overcome by the word of our testimony. We remind ourselves of the past victories that God has given us. Just like David, when he went to take on Goliath, one of the first things he said was, God has put in my hand a lion and a bear. He's going to help me take you out as well. In the same way, when you come up to that next obstacle, in order to, uh, to have the level of faith and belief required, we need to remind ourselves of what God has helped us to overcome in the past, our past victories. Many years ago, my wife and I, we had moved to Mackay and we'd left Bible college. We had no money and, and through a great miracle, I don't have time to tell you today, but through a great miracle, huge miracle, we were able to uh, build our first house brand new. And it was a great miracle and we built it, but we didn't complete it. It was good enough to live in, but it wasn't finished. Have you ever had a house like that? Uh, and so... Uh, and so I remember um, I used to call our house the Big Brother House because uh, we didn't have enough money for any window fittings. Uh, and so we just stuck up sheets and Christmas paper uh, and that sort of thing. You go into the spare bedroom and there's a cavity in each room where the wardrobe's going to be uh, when we finish it. This was in North Queensland. It's hot. We did not have enough money for air conditioning. I did not have enough money for landscaping. We lived on a big sandy block. Every time you opened the window, sand would just blow in. It would end up in the most unlikely places. You'd be in the shower and then you just see sand starting to pull at the bottom of the shower. You'd hop in bed and then all of a sudden you realise I'm feeling sand between my toes. You know, it was just crazy. Uh, we didn't even have enough money for a letterbox. I had a bucket at the front of my driveway. <laughs> which was my letterbox, the amount of people that ran over the bucket uh, was just crazy. And so, so this is what happened. Great miracle to move in. And then nothing. And the glory of the original miracle wears off. And then the frustration of the miracle that you need starts to take over. And I remember at that time I started thinking, man, are we ever going to finish this house? Is it ever going to happen? 
started getting so discouraged. So I thought, man, I can't be like this. And so I went on my back porch and I sat down and I thought I need to encourage myself in the Lord. There are times when there are people around to encourage you. They're not answering the phone. They're not answering Facebook. And when there are times we just need to encourage ourselves, just like King David used to do. And so I remember I was on my back porch and I thought, you know, I just said, I said, Lord, your word says that he has begun a good work and you will bring it to completion. When you start something, you're going to finish it. The miracle you gave us to get in here is way bigger than the miracle we need. So I am sure of that, that the you who provided that miracle, you can easily provide this one. And I started listing off all the old miracles that God provided in order, to, in order for us to get to where we needed to go. By the time I got off that porch, on the inside of me, it was almost like, this is done. I had peace, I had calm, and I had an assuredness that what God said and this job that we're needing, God was going to bring to completion. How did I get to that place? By declaring our past victories. Next time you come up to an obstacle that looks so big, turn around and look at the other ones he got you over as well and start declaring and speaking those things into being as well. The fourth thing that we need to declare is we need to declare private promises. Private promises. Uh, Now, private promises are different from personal prophecies. Personal prophecies is when somebody gives you a prophecy, God speaks through someone else, and we believe that and receive that, okay? But that's not the only way God can speak to us. God can speak to us privately as well, that he can drop things in our heart without speaking it through somebody else. Now, the Bible says, and so that's the difference, private promises. Now, Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says this, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Now, in the Old Testament, the only people who could really hear regularly from God were prophets. But through Christ and through the giving of the Holy Spirit, all of us can be prophetic. Now, we do understand the Bible says that there are some people who have the office of the prophet. That's a governmental office. But they're not the only people who can hear from God. We can all hear from God. And so there are times. So when he says God does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets, that is not just, in the New Testament context, that is not just people who have the office of a prophet. That's actually talking about all of us as well because we can all be prophetic. Okay? And so he says that God does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. What's the job of a prophet? Well, number one is to hear God, but not just hear God. That's not the whole job of a prophet. prophet has another half to his job. The prophet hears, and then he speaks. Hearing's not enough. Hearing doesn't complete the job. You have to hear, and then you have to speak. So when God tells you something privately, that's good. You're halfway there. You're hearing it, but you've got to do more than hear it. You have to speak it as well. Some of us have heard something from God, but have never completed the job. We've heard from God and we've hid it in our heart and we waited for God to do it. But that's not enough. We need to hear it and then we need to speak it. We need to start declaring it. Uh, many years ago when I was a youth pastor, um, I was at McDonald's doing my devotions, as you do, and uh, I was reading in the scripture how it talks about one of the accounts of when Jesus walked on the water. 
Now, one, this particular account said that Jesus came to the disciples. They were in their boat. They were halfway across the lake. And the Bible says Jesus came to them walking on the water. He interacted with them, and then the Bible says when he got into the boat, immediately they were on the other side. So there were two miracles that happened. The first one's the obvious one. Jesus walked on the water. But there's a second one. Watch this. They're halfway across the lake. Jesus walks to them, interacts with them, hops in the boat. They turn around. Immediately they're on the other side. So there was a second miracle there. And the miracle was time compression. Okay? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, he said, what I did in your youth ministry in the first five years, I'm going to do in the next year. You're going to double this year. And I said, praise the Lord. And he goes, now tell them. (laughs) I didn't want to do that. Uh, Going out on a limb, you know what I'm saying? And he said, uh, tell them. And I said, oh. So at the start of the year, I'm at youth. And I said, hey, guys, we're going to have a great year. Talk about all the things we're going to do. And I said... And, and also, um, I was doing my devotions, as I encourage all of you to do, and I felt God... kind of, sort of, say that may... that this year... we're going to double in a year. And they're like, wow. And I'm thinking, what do I say that for? <laughs> and in hindsight, to be honest, I was wrong because we doubled in six months. And uh, <laughs> we have to hear and then we have to speak. We don't have to go and tell everyone, but we do need to speak it. We need to start declaring what God has said. Listening is only halfway home. Some of you have a prophecy that you listen to and wrote down and occasionally you look at it hoping God's going to do it. But you never completed the job. There comes a time in your devotional life, yes, we need to be silent, but we need to speak. And part of your devotional life, there are times you just rip those old prophecies out, those private promises, and you spend five, ten minutes. Lord, I thank you, you told me, you said, I believe this is going to come to pass. You start speaking and start declaring it. There's another time I was staying in a friend's house in Mackay and... um, and uh, I was doing my devotions on the, on the morning I was about to leave their place. And uh, in, the, in the scriptures I read about Elisha and the woman of Shunem. Now, this lady was married. She was an older lady. And um, she and her husband, um, Elisha, used to stay at their place whenever he was in town. And, so they, and she said to her husband, look, he's over here all the time. Why don't we just put an extension on our house for him? So they built an extension on their house. They put a room out in there and they had a bed and a table uh, and a lamp and it was just for his exclusive use. So whenever he, he came there the first time and he just couldn't believe it. He was so grateful and he said to his servant Gehazi, he said, hey Gehazi, um, you know, these people, look what they've done for us. What can we do for them? And Gehazi said, well, that, um, that lady and that husband, they've never been able to have any children. And so Elisha doesn't say, oh, no, that's too hard for God. Is there anything else? Instead, he says, oh, okay. He calls the lady before him, says, thank you for building this for me. And the word of the Lord to you is this. The barrel of flour will not run. Oh, sorry, that's a different one. He said, <laughs> he said, this time next year, you'll have a baby in your arms. 
When I read that scripture, I felt the Holy Spirit say, say that to the couple you're staying with. I was like, oh. They'd been married 10 years, been unable to have any children. They had tried everything and had been unable to. And they weren't Pentecostal either. And so I felt the Holy Spirit say, tell them. I said, okay. So I uh, got up in the morning, packed my bags. I said, hey, guys, thank you so much for having me. It's so good hanging out. Um, and just before I go, um, <laughs> I was reading this morning the Bible and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me to tell you that within the next 12 months or so, you're going to have a baby in your arms. When I said it, they just looked at me. I said, see ya. And so I just left. (laughs) And I didn't think anything of it. And uh, I give out so many prophecies, I forget what I say most of the time. So I didn't think anything of it. And a couple of months later, he gives me a call. His name's Steve. He goes, Benny. I said, hey, Steve-o, how you doing? He goes, hey, Benny, you remember that prophecy you gave us? I said, no, I'd forgotten. I said, no. He goes, you said that within 12 months, we're going to have a baby in our arms. I said, also. Yeah. <laughs> he said, well, guess what? We're pregnant and the baby's due within 12 months of when you gave us that word. <laughs> Amen. Now they've got three. <laughs> and now he is the principal of one of the largest Pentecostal Christian schools in Queensland and doing great things for God and become a full-blown Pentecostal, and it's awesome. We need to hear, and then we speak. When we get a prophecy, or when God speaks to us, it's only halfway done. It's not our job to sit on our hands and hope for God to do what he said he's going to do. There are times when we need to get that prophecy out ourselves. There are times when we need to start declaring what God said to us. The onus is on us as well, you know. And so we need to uh, speak and declare the private promises that God has said. God does nothing without revealing his plans to the servants of prophets. And they have two jobs. One is to hear and one is to speak. Amen. And the last one is this. We need to declare our personal agreement. Personal agreement. Matthew 18 verse 19 says this. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. If two of you agree, and he's talking to the church, if we agree, it'll get done, which is awesome. Such a great key, okay? If we agree, it gets done. Now, here's the thing. Agreement does not happen without communication. There's no such thing as agreement without communication. Ladies, you buy a new dress. You put it on. Hubby comes home. Hey, babe, what do you think? If he just looks at you, agreement hasn't been established yet. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, on the inside, he might be like, oh, that is so good. You are so beautiful. (laughs) Now, he might think that, but that's still not agreement because there hasn't been communication. Communication, communication is key to agreement. We agree. Does that make sense? So 
That's why it's important to say amen during the preaching. Because nothing gets done unless we agree. And I don't know if you agree, if you're just looking at me. On the inside, you might be like, that's awesome. But there's no agreement if you're just like this. Now, I need to uh, put your mind at ease. Um, I've preached at some places and the pastor will get up and he'll say things to get his church to be verbal in the preaching. He will say things like, hey, you know, we've got Pastor Ben coming to preach today. And, uh, you know, church, we're an encouraging church. So, church, I really want you to encourage the preacher. You know, so just encourage him, you know, say amen and encourage him. Uh, I've been other places where a guy has gotten up and to get people to do that, uh, he has gotten up and said things like, Hey, church, I speak better when you're talking back to me. I preach better when you're talking. So you can't be quiet while I'm preaching. I speak better. I just want to let you know. And he'll say things like, You know, I really need your help to preach this thing. Uh, I just want to let you know, I don't need your help. Uh, I've been preaching a long time, 20 years. Uh, sometimes I'll preach at places, they'll just look at you like they want to kill you. So if I needed your help, I would have quit 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? I would not be fit to do the job that God has called me to do. So I don't need your help. I don't need your encouragement. doesn't make me preach any better. I don't feel any better about myself. You know what I'm saying? So I don't need you to say amen to make me feel good. But I still want you to say amen. Because it's not for my benefit. It's for agreement. God's word gets declared, we drag that thing down through agreement. And I don't know if you agree, if you're just looking at me. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. One day, I am sure, Pastor Brad's going to get up here and says, God, God, show me this thing we're going to do. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a big faith project. And the right response is not sitting back saying, well, I'd like to see you do that in this environment. <laughs> the right answer needs to be, amen. Because <laughs> what we agree to gets done. Now, you need to understand something. Uh, it doesn't have to be the word amen. Uh, it could be any kind of verbal agreement, as long as there's some level of communication. Uh, I remember visiting a church many years ago, and uh, the se- it was in regional Queensland, and the senior pastor spoke to me and says, Ben, uh, you need to understand, our church is an Australian church, not an American church. I said, right, what does that mean? He says, well, in our church, we don't say praise the Lord. I said, you don't say praise the Lord. I said, what do you say? He says, we say, you beauty, Lord. <laughs> I said, right. And he says, in our church, we don't say amen either. I said, you don't say amen. Why? He goes, because now we're an Australian church, not an American church. I said, so what do you say? He says, we say, too right, mate. <laughs> That's true. I visited the church. Pastor gets up at the end, says a prayer, and says, and all the people said, and guys stood up and said, too right, mate. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if it's amen. It doesn't matter if it's too right, mate. It doesn't matter if it's come on, as long as there's some kind of verbal agreement. And you need to understand something. It's not Pentecostal, it's not American, and it's not black, it's Christian. You'll say it in a prayer. We'll say it in God's word as well. Amen. 
And so five things that we need to declare as Christians. We need to declare promises from the word of God. We need to declare personal prophecies. We need to declare past victories. We need to declare private promises. And we need to declare our personal agreement. Amen? Too right, mate. (laughs) And so this morning, what we're going to do is this. We're going to put it into practice. Because if you can't do it here, you'll never do it out there. So I'm going to ask the worship team to get up and, to be honest, I don't really care what you play. Um, (laughs) Because right in this first moment, as long as it's Christian, uh, (laughs) not stairway to heaven or something. So so what we're going to do is we're going to, while the worship plays, we're going to start speaking. You don't need to yell. It just needs to pass your lips. You need to declare it. As I was speaking, some of you, God reminded you of something he told you, but you've never spoken. Start sealing it today by declaring it. I felt the Holy Spirit give me a picture that for some of you, there is a promise on the edge of a cliff, ready to drop into your world. And you're standing there waiting for it. And all you need to do, for some of you, the promise is that close, you just need to call for it. And if you call for it, it's going to drop into your world. For some of you, God's got promises on a conveyor belt that there's not much you can do about speeding it up or slowing it down. But all you can do is make sure that you're still there waiting to receive that promise. And in order to keep you there, to remind yourself not to walk away from doing good, not to walk away from the kingdom, you need to remind yourself by continually declaring it to make sure you're there for that appointed time. For some of you, there are things that you've had in your heart that you didn't know where it was from, but it was actually from God. The Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 4, that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. He starts dropping desires in your heart. And some of you have a good desire and you've got a pure motive for it. And that's from the Lord. And you need to start speaking it and start declaring it. So this is not going to be the last time you do this. But for some of you, I sense it is, 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 it is actually going to be the first time. And if you do it in this place, you'll seal it and make it as part of your Christian life. A couple of times a week, just start declaring and start speaking it. Some of you have always liked the silent part of Christianity. You've loved it when other people have come and given you a prophecy and you've hidden it in your heart. But you need to make, but make no mistake, there is a time to be silent, but for you, there is a time to speak. And so right now, that is what we're going to do. So with every eye open and every head up, Church, would you stand to your feet and start speaking and declaring as a band plays and then, and then we're going to start molding, uh, melding into the worship and continue to worship God. But we're going to do that. You won't, be louder, you won't be the loudest. I've got the microphone. I'm going to be louder than you. The music's going to be louder than you. Don't be embarrassed. Don't let shame stop you from asking. Some of you feel like you've got shame and it's stopping you from asking. There's a little guy on your shoulder with a pitchfork telling you to shut up. You, can't, you keep speaking it and flick that guy off your shoulder. You know what I'm saying? There's a time to be silent, but there's a time to speak. Let's declare, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that this church is embarking on a new season, a season where long-awaited promises are coming to pass and long-anticipated promises are coming to pass. And Father, I thank you that for those that have just started speaking today, you're about to drop those things 
into their world. I thank you that for some promises that look dead and buried in the name of Jesus Christ, I call those things forth, Lord, and believe that that will come to pass in their world and you're going to get all the glory. I thank you for it, Father. You're an awesome God. We lift you up, Lord God. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for the testimonies from today. I thank you for the testimonies from the next six months. I thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, praise you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for those loved ones coming to the kingdom. We thank you for those financial breakthroughs. We thank you for that physical healing. We thank you for the addictions that are going to be broken. We thank you, Lord God, for the torment that's going to leave. We thank you, Lord, for the strife in some people's houses that are going to go. We thank you for those loved ones that are addicted to drugs, Lord. I thank you for deliverance. I thank you for those looking for employment. I thank you for the job that's right for them. I thank you for those, Lord, looking for your direction. I thank you that you're going to give it to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for those, Lord God, seeking your will. I thank you your will shall be known. I thank you and I praise you for it. I thank you for all those prophecies, Lord. All those prophecies declared over this place, hanging in the air, waiting to be dragged down. In the name of Jesus, we start pulling those things down. I thank you and I believe you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, you are an awesome God. Hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise in this place. He is awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome.